in the house of the Lord. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What a beautiful day it is. Amen. We are, today we're celebrating Christmas at Harvest Point Church. Amen. And we've got an awesome day in store for everybody. We're not only just this service, but tonight at 6 p.m., we're going to celebrate with the kids. There's going to be special performances. There's going to be a special word tonight. We're going to celebrate, celebrate, celebrate. I would encourage you to come back because guess what? There's going to be tons of, of gifts we're going to be giving away tonight. And I'm going to encourage you to come out, be with us. We're going to have a celebration like nobody's business. Amen. We're going to celebrate Jesus. How many know that Jesus is worth celebrating? How many know he's worth celebrating? Amen. And we're going to have an awesome time celebrating the Lord. Amen. What a beautiful day it is. We, we today continue in that celebration with the word of the Lord, right? We're just getting ourselves primed in the spirit. How many know it's nice to get stoked? Anybody ever been stoked about something? I like to stoke, uh, you know, I, I, could I say, you know, we kind of, we kind of, poke at the flame. How many know sometimes somebody's got to blow on the embers to get the, get the coals burning? Amen. Sometimes, you know, if you're like me, we go through the week and how many know that just living life can, can cause the fire to go a little dim? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're just living life and not, not, nothing anymore. You're just living life and, and you can get busy and you can get caught up and you can get carried away and sometimes our jobs and things and wives, come on somebody, and husbands and all the things that could affect our minds, affect us, and, you know, we just, the flame goes out. But you know what? Today I'm going to blow on the flame. I'm going to blow on the coal, and I'm going to stoke the flame. I pray today that you uh, will, will be revived in the Lord. Amen. So I'm going to ask you to stand up. We're going to begin to read a portion of Scripture. If you have your Bible, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I want to give to you, today we're going to be talking, we've been talking about the names of Jesus, right? And so I want you to hear this and to hear this right, right? We've been talking about all the beautiful names of Jesus. Part of what I'm hoping you'll see is that Jesus is sufficient for every single need in your life. How many believe that Jesus is sufficient? Listen, you have to know that. Listen, I don't, I don't know what's... We grew up in a time where we used to say this. We used to say, Jesus is the answer. Now, when I was young... I used to say it. When I was a kid. Uh, the church said it. Uh, you know, I grew up in the 70s, so, you know, we had, <laughs> you know, they would say Jesus is the answer, right? Uh, I, I didn't understood. I did not understand or capable of understanding just how thoroughly sufficient Jesus is. I do today. I know that whatever I'm going through, he's sufficient, more than sufficient. Could I suggest that he's exceedingly, abundantly able to do more than what you ask, more than what you even think. And so Jesus is the answer. And his name is the proof that he's the answer. And so we've been going through all the names of Jesus, right? I've been trying to, and there's so many more. In fact, I'm hoping that maybe in January, the Spirit of the Lord will release me from the series. But we've been in this series, I think, even even in November. We've been November, maybe October, November, December. And we've been going through the names of Jesus. So important that you know that Jesus is able, right? And that his name can be called upon. Do you know that one of the names of Jesus is the Redeemer? Now see, we're going to talk about that because culturally speaking, we don't really under, have that principle in our culture to be purchased. 
And we're going to talk about that today. And I hope I can draw you into some conclusions here to help you understand that Jesus bought you. <laughs> and it didn't come cheap. He, he bought you. And we're going to talk about that today in this, in this uh, message to the Redeemer. I'm taking you to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Slide your finger down to verse 14. Because I want to show you something here a little unique uh, in the Bible about redemption. Because I want you to understand how you participate in your redemption. I want you to see how that connection is. And we'll talk about that today. This again is, is uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And if you'll slide your finger down to verse 14, I'm going to read all the way through the end of that chapter. And I just want you to hear this. This is a marvelous expression of faith, and I pray that it just minister to you today as we get into this message, the Redeemer. Beginning at verse 14, it reads like this. And God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. Now, I want you to know that that's an act of redemption. Right? So I want you to see that your resurrection is actually an expression of the redemption of God in your life. That God is going to raise you up. Will you look at your neighbor and say you're going to get raised up? Now that don't sound like much until somebody you, you love passes away and they pass away in the Lord. How many, how many did they know that when we meet the Lord in the air, we're going to recognize each other? And we're going to be given glorified bodies. How many know these, these expressions of faith? So I want you to know that you being raised up is an expression of redemption. Now watch this. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? This is an expression of redemption. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? God forbid. What know ye not that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? Right? And we understand that. For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. This is what we call intimacy, right? The act of consummation, how marriage, how two people become one. The Bible says, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. I'm going to say hallelujah. And I want you to know because you've been redeemed, you're now one with God. This is, these are all expressions of redemption. I just want you to see it. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. And I just want you to catch that. That the act of redemption, the expression of redemption, has a lot to do with your physical body. Now watch this. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own. This is an act of redemption. Watch this. For ye are bought with the price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Right? Look, touch your neighbor and say, God owns you. Touch them back and say, I'm God's property. Yeah, I'm God's property. You better check what you're messing with. I belong to God. Somebody say hallelujah. That's an awesome thing. So I want to talk to you about redemption. And, and, and I hope you'll, you'll, you'll tune in and, and really stay focused. And we got an awesome day today. I can't think of any better message than to be preaching the act of redemption with the family faith. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. For this beautiful day, we thank you for the family of faith. We thank you for every single brother and sister that's in the house of the Lord, for those that are watching by stream. We're thankful, Father, because we're here as being part of the family of faith, being part of the people of God. 
We know that in your house, we know that right here, right now, right here with us, is the one who promised to be in our midst. For he said, wherever two or three are gathered together, there am I in the midst of you. And we know Jesus is here. Jesus, welcome to, to Harvest Point. <laughs> welcome to the family of faith, our most esteemed guest. We pray blessing on the family of faith, the people of God. We come against distractions and things and items and busyness and all the things that affect our lives that we may set our minds completely on the Lord. Holy Spirit, thoroughly massage these words into the family of faith, into their minds, that when they walk out of here, the cold be stoked, that they be hot, that they be on fire for God. And we pray that upon each and every person, every listener, every hearer, we pray that. And we pray that in no other name that we can pray, that beautiful Redeemer that we celebrate today, that person we call Jesus, and we pray that blessing in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Listen, go find somebody, greet each other, Lord, and I want you to tell them, I'm God's property. Go find somebody and tell them, I'm God's property. Amen. Blessings, blessings, blessings. How good it is. I'm God's property. I'm God's property. I'm God's property. I'm God's property. Tap your neighbor right next to him and say, you belong to God. This is redemption. This is redemption. I've been redeemed. <laughs> I've been redeemed. I am God's property. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's so good to see the family of faith and the people of God and people saying hello one to another. This is the church. Amen. This is the fellowship. This is how we're encouraged. This is how we're going to keep walking. This is how we're going to make it through. Amen. How many know you need encouragement if you're going to make it through to the very end? Amen. And this is what we do. We hug on each other and love on one another and support each other in the faith. You are not alone if you are at Harvest Point Church. Come on, somebody. We're going we're gonna to stick together. Amen. As true brothers and sisters do. Amen. We we are glad to be part of the family of faith. Amen. Let me begin this message with a song. A song that we used to sing back in my day when I was coming up. Many of you don't know that I, I used to be the church's worship leader. A song. A, a, a song that actually comes out of the book of Psalms. The Psalms, right? Psalms. Psalm 72, verse 1, says this. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endureth forever. Y'all remember that song? Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, he is good. That's, that's Psalm 72, verse 1. 
It's given to you as a predicate. In other words, there's a prerequisite to that verse, a verse that all of us know, we just don't know where it comes from. It comes from Psalm 72, verse 2. It says this. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, for he hath redeemed us from the hand of the enemy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, for he hath redeemed us from the hand of the enemy. I, I think it's important that you note, that, that, that you take a spiritual note, that the devil owned you. In fact, could I say to you that the devil mastered you? For every whim that you have, every intuition, every, every expression of your life. The Bible says we were like brute beasts acting upon every whim and every desire. Your thoughts, your mind, your heart were bent on evil. But God redeemed you. He, he, he bought you out of the hand of the enemy that possessed you, that mastered you. God bought you. Unto himself. Isn't that amazing that we think about God bought you? Can you imagine in heaven the grandiose, the spectacular mind of God to say that I'm going to purchase my children? Do, do, do you know, let, let, let me show you the economies of God. Do you know that the Bible says uh, that, that what would a prophet, uh, what would a man gain if he, it, it, or profit if he gained the whole world and yet lost his soul? Or what could a man give in exchange for? In other words, I want you to see that all of the world, all its economies, all of its resource is not worth one human soul. And that God bought you? You, you, you say, well, what did he buy me with? Peter tells us for as much as, as we know that we were not redeemed, purchased with corruptible things such as silver and gold. But you've been redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb without blemish and without spot. It's important that you know that when God surveyed heaven to say, how am I going to, what can I give in exchange for you? That God said, I'm going to send to you my son and I'm going to buy you with his blood. Mm. Look at your neighbor and say, you cost a whole lot in the mind of God. And God bought you. I, I know that this sounds strange to the Gentile because we don't understand or comprehend the idea that God would buy you. I, I, we talk of redemption, but we don't understand philosophically what it means. Why did God have to purchase me? Ever thought that for a moment? That could God have gained this any other way? Could he have done any other thing but to purchase you with blood? And, and in the mind of God, in the purposes of God, God saw fit in the economy of the kingdom to say, I'm going to buy you with blood that I might own you. Oh, that's rich. <laughs> that makes me kind of shake for a minute that, that, that God... Owns me. Well, you look at your neighbor and say, God owns you. I, I know we're living in a day where the idea of, of, of talking about or thinking about the idea that you are owned is counterculture. 
Uh, that, that we don't understand as Gentiles just how fluid this is in the, in, in the mind of the Jew who understood the very act of redemption. Do you know that the very first book of the Bible that is written, that was given to us, not Genesis, but the book of Job, that Job said in the 19th chapter, he said this, I know that my Redeemer lives and that he will stand in the latter day. You need to know that the act of redemption is God's way of saying, you belong to me. Now, now, now catch this. How many, how many know this, this verse? It says, and you've not been given a, sp- a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've been given a spirit of adoption whereby we cry, watch this, Abba, Father. And the Bible says the spirit bear with us our spirit that we are the children of God. And the Bible says, and if children, catch this, and if children, watch, hear this, then heirs of God. And not, we can say this, not only does God own me, but I own him. We belong to God. This is what Paul said when he wrote to the church of Galatia when he says, he says, in the fu- when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that they might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying what? Abba, Father. Now God belongs to you. Let, let me say that one more time, because you got to comprehend redemption the way God sees it. God says, not only do you belong to me, but I belong to you. Touch your name and say, God belongs to you. <laughs> Isn't it interesting that in the act of redemption, in the act of ownership, I would contend that everybody in here wants to be owned. Look at your name and say, you need to own me. I want to be owned. <laughs> it, 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 it's so, listen, let, let me tell you how counterculture this is. Do, do, do you know that, that the expression of faith is actually given to us in the symbol of what we call marriage? Uh, marriage is so unique because marriage is the oldest institution in the Bible. Do you know, wives, I've got to tell you something. Do you know that when you got married, your body no longer became your own, but now your husband owns your body? Oh, I'd have given an amen right there. I should have said a hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, Jesus, help us. Then, wife, you no longer have power over your body. Your husband has power over your body. And conversely, it is true that now, husbands, you no longer have possession of your body. Your wife has possession of your body. This is unique in marriage. Why? Because God is teaching you what it is to be redeemed. The act of redemption is found in the consummation of a marriage. And I want you to hear that plainly, that you don't belong to yourself. I know we're in a culture, you know, my body, my right, I can do what I want, it's my body, nobody can tell me what to do with my body. But that's not taught in the Bible. If you're married, you don't own yourself. <laughs> if you're a Christian, you don't own yourself. You're owned of God. Could I, could I extrapolate a bit? We don't like the idea, right, of being owned, though you most certainly are. Yeah. Uh, the act of redemption is really the act of God saying, I want you to know who you belong to. Now, I'm going to contend in here that everybody wants to belong. 
Everybody wants to belong somehow, some way. That expression is, 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 could I say categorically, uh, common amongst all mankind. Everybody wants to belong to something. Whether it be a family, a marriage, an identity, a place, a job, where we want to belong somewhere. We want people to know that we belong to that unit, that place, that, that, that family, that thing, that grouping. And some of you have gone to great lengths to belong. Oh, here we go. Some of you have sacrificed your own morality to belong to something. Some of you have said some things you shouldn't have said to belong to something. And, and this is common in faith that some of us have sacrificed a great deal to belong, to be accepted somewhere, to do something and, or to act in a certain way that we might belong to a certain group, a tribe, a thing. And I'm here to tell you that God is saying to you, you belong to me. You don't have to find it nowhere else. You don't have to run to get support. I'm your support. I'm your husband. You belong to me. Somebody say hallelujah, right? That, that, that we've been redeemed. This is taught in the Bible so thoroughly, so fluidly in the Bible, in the Old Testament. That man, if you read the Old Testament, you understand that the nation of Israel desired to be redeemed. They wanted to belong. More importantly, they wanted to belong to God. Do you know that there are two books in the Old Testament? I wasn't going to give you this, but the Spirit of God began to impress me some things, and I said, I'm going to be faithful to, to the Spirit of God. Do you, know, do you know that there are two women whose names are given in the Bible to whom they have books entitled after their names in the Old Testament? Uh, you know one is Esther, and the other is Ruth. Uh, this is somewhat unusual in that women didn't really have that sort of standing or, or, or ability, should I say spiritually, to have their names recorded in such a way. But we have Queen Esther, right, who, who is a Jewish handmaid. If you never read the book of Esther, I encourage you to do that. And then there's another one, a very strange one, by the name of Ruth. Uh, you, you see, it's so odd to find a woman by the name of Ruth who is in the genealogies of Jesus uh, because Ruth, catch this, was a Moabite. Ruth was a descendant of Moab. She, she, she's a Moabite. And that's weird. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. That's odd. A Moabite. Hmm. That, 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 that's odd. Why is she there? Why is Ruth the Moabite in the Bible? She has nothing to do with God. She, she, she's a Moabite. I mean, she, she's, she's a descendant of Moab. You say, well, preacher, why are you making a big deal out of Moab? But anybody that knows what a Moabite is would be saying the same thing that I'm saying. Uh, let me give context. How, how, how many have ever uh, gandered through the Bible and you stumbled onto Genesis chapter 18? Genesis chapter 18, a peculiar passage, because this is the passage where two angels uh, are coming to Abraham and God decides to reveal to Abraham that which he's about to do. The Bible says that those two angels revealed to Abraham that they were about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Anybody ever heard of Sodom and Gomorrah? I mean, we've all heard of that story, right? And, and, and when Abraham is hearing this story, Abraham says to the two angels, well, what if by chance... He uses the word, King James, peradventure, that I find 50 righteous people in Sodom. Would you spare it? 
What does the Lord say? For 50 people, I'll spare Sodom and Gomorrah. And I'm sure Abraham started thinking, oh, Sodom and Gomorrah, that's a bad place, you know. <laughs> I've been hearing them from a distance say they're bad people. Well, what, 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 if, what if I could only find 45? For 45, I will spare the city. And then you start noticing, well, what, 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 what if I only find 40? And then when he starts going, he started by fives, now he's going by tens. What if I only find 30? What if I only find 20? What if I only find 10? He said, for 10 people, I'll save Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Bible says, and Abraham went his way. He didn't find them. I tell people all the time, God is not going to destroy Arlington because I'm in it. As long as I live in Arlington, if your address is Arlington, Texas, feel safe that God will not destroy Arlington because I am here. Now, if I move to Mansfield, I can't make no qualification for Arlington. But, if, but, but if, as long as I'm in Arlington, you're okay. <laughs> I want you to hear that the very next verse, Genesis 19, those same two angels are going to the house of Lot, and they're grabbing his hand to take him out of Sodom and Gomorrah because God's about to destroy it. You know the story that when those two angels showed up and entered into the house of Lot, that all the men of that city surrounded the house, and they told Lot, send those two angels out that we might know them. In other words, they wanted to have sex with angels. Some of y'all know how the, 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 the giants, the, the Rephilim, come from angels having relations with human women. And, and I want you to see that, 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 that how depraved the situation was in so much that when those men demanded that, that Lot send out those angels, that the Bible says that Lot said, I have two daughters who have never known a man, virgins, that I'll give to you. Lot was about to give his daughters over to sexually crazed uh, mob of men. Can you imagine his mind, right, where he was? And how many know that if you live too close to immorality, how many know that bad company corrupts good morals? Man, let me tell you, that's the truth of it. And the Bible says that, 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 that they began to knock down the door, and the angel stepped forward, and the Bible says he commanded every one of them to be blind. And the moment that blindness touched their eyes, he grabbed their hands and says, let's go, but don't look back. You know the story where, 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 where Lot's wife, she turned back and became a pillar of salt. You, you know these stories. I can, I can kind of paraphrase them and kind of move along. The Bible says that when they went up, uh, they, they were trying to go to Zohar, but, but, but the devastation was so great that they went up to a cave. Now watch this. They went up to a cave, and, 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 and from the cave, they were seeing the destruction of Solomon and Gomorrah. Do you know that theologians say that there were at least 500,000 people in Sodom and Gomorrah? Some people speculate there couldn't have been even a million people inhabiting that place. And it's being destroyed with brimstone and hails of fire. And watch this. They saw it being destroyed. And the girl said this. The two daughters of Lot said this. Well, what are we going to do now? They perceived that God was destroying the world. They said, how are we going to continue if there be no men? And the daughters of Lot said, let's get our daddy drunk. And while he's in a drunken stupor, let's go in and sleep with our father that we might have children. The first daughter went in, got him drunk. The Bible says that Lot didn't even remember that he was, the next morning he woke up unaware that he had slept with his daughter. The Bible says she became pregnant. The younger daughter did the same. She became pregnant. That second daughter had a child by the name of Ben-Ami, which means he is of my people, which is a 
slight inference to incest, but Ben-Ami became the father of all the Ammonites. You know about them. The first daughter had a son. She called him Moab, which means he is of my father. A direct reference to the incest of how he was born. You see, Ruth is a Moabite. For 10 generations, Moabites weren't even allowed to approach the temple of God. She's a Moabite. She has no business with God. She shouldn't be anywhere near close to anything God has. She shouldn't even be close to the promises of God, except uh, there was a family in, in Bethlehem. A man by the name of Elimelech. Well, the Bible says uh, that, that there was a famine in the land. Elimelech and Naomi, they had two sons. Check this out. Mahon and what's, check this name out. Chilion. <laughs> Surprised we don't got more Chilions in the house. <laughs> what's your name, son? They call me Chilion. That's a cool name right there, Doc. Chill out. Uh, pr problem with this situation was that they, they left Bethlehem, the, the promise, and they went down into Moab to dwell, trying to escape the famine. And when they got there, guess what happened? Mahon and Chilion found themselves girls amongst the Moabites. They had Moabite wives, Orpah and Ruth. In the span of 10 years, Elimelech dies, Mahon dies, Chilion dies, and now there are three women. Ruth tells her daughters, I'm going back. Go back to your homes. Go back and do what you do. Go, go find a husband because, listen, even, even if you would wait for me to bear another child, if I could, I'm past that age. But if I could, would you wait for my husbands, my children to mature? Go back. Go back to your homes. And the Bible says, Orpha came to, she wanted to say, but she went back home, but not Naomi, not Ruth, pardon me. She says, wherever you go, I'm going. Your people going to be my people. Wherever you die, I'm going to die. Wherever you're buried, I'm going to be buried. I'm going with you. They went back to Bethlehem, and as they went back, uh, there's a law in Leviticus 25 that says, no Jew can lose the promise. Well, whatever God has promised, he's going to be true to his promise. You can't lose what God promises. Though you were faithless, he remains faithful, for that's the character of God. I'm, I, 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 I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to make sure that if you lose something, I'm going to give it back to you. And so God had redemption in the books. You know, a law that kept you from losing anything. You know, you know the culture, uh, 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 American culture, we don't even comprehend just how, how beautiful the act of redemption is because we don't have those policies. The closest thing that I can think that comes close to that is bankruptcy. Don't raise your hand if you filed it. <laughs> no, no, don't, don't look at your neighbor. Just keep looking at me. You, you, you know, in America, I don't know if it's true anywhere else in the world, but, you know, in America, if you fall on bad times, you can file what they call bankruptcy. And there's different kinds of bankruptcy. There's bankruptcy 7 and 11 and 13. I don't know how many numbers it goes up. It may go up to 1,000. I don't know where it goes. But it's just enough to keep you from losing everything. See, you try to go buy something, you got to pay that interest, you know. 
It's not free of charge. Bankruptcy costs you. But not with God. See, God says, no, I'm going to give it all back to you. There's an act of redemption in the law of God. As Naomi and Ruth came back into Bethlehem, back to their promise, the, the Bible says that as they went back, uh, 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 Naomi told Ruth, Ruth, listen, I want you to go into the fields, and I just want you to begin to glean. We're going to need to eat. And so th- there was a, a, a policy, a rule in the rule books that whoever was gleaning the field, that you had to leave the corners open so that people who were poor could glean uh, wheat, corn from the corners of the field. And, and, and if some of the corn fell, you weren't allowed to pick it up because people who were poor in Proverbs, they can go by and pick up along the way. And so there was was, uh, Ruth out there gleaning the field, and it just so happened that people started talking. (laughs) You know how people talk, you know. And they know she was a Moabite. Uh, Word got back uh, to the man who owned the field, and and little did she know that she was on the field uh, where, where Naomi's Kinsman was. Uh, Naomi's kinsman redeemer was a man by the name of Boaz. And he saw Ruth out there, and I don't know how it happened. I, I, I couldn't tell you how it happens. But he fell in love with her. Do you, do you know to me, uh, the, the greatest philosophical question that I have ever thought in Christian faith is, why did God fall in love with you? I mean you. Don't be looking at me. I'm talking about you. How did God fall in love with you? Out of all the people, I mean, I mean, if you're a husband and wife, you know, have you ever thought, you know, how, how you met your spouse? I mean, I don't know what happened, where you were. I mean, you don't have to tell us a story if it's not cool. You know, but, but y'all found each other somehow, some way. Yeah. That, isn't that an odd thing to know that? Out of all the women in the world, you married that woman right next to you. And out of all the men in the world, she, mar- you know, she married me. You know, you know it, it, it's just an anomaly. I, I don't know how to describe it, but it just so happened that the, the kinsmen... The kinsman redeemer, the one most closely related, fell in love with her. And you know what he told everybody? He says, listen, uh, this is what I want you to do. Uh, Not only do I want you to let her continue to glean, but but I want you to invite her to my table. I I, I don't want her picking scraps. I want her to eat from the table. And, And listen, the stuff that you've already harvested, the bags and the corn that we've already gleaned, I want you to put it on her back. She, she doesn't even have to glean anymore. Just, just give it to her. Check this out. When, when she went back and told her, her mother-in-law, Naomi, what was happening, she says, oh, 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 I think I know what's going on. I think Boaz loves you. She said this. Listen to this. She, said, she told her. Listen to the advice. She says, take a bath. Listen, 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 listen to this advice. She says, listen, listen, Ruth, I think something good's happening here. Listen, what I want you to do? I want you to go take a bath. I'm going to say that one more time. <laughs> I want you to, you know, freshen up, take a bath. Put on your best clothes. Do up your face a little bit, fix your hair. 
night. I want you to go into where he lay. Just uncover his feet and just lay at his feet. Look at your neighbor and say, this is getting risque in the house of the Lord. Where are we going with this? This is in the Bible. And the Bible says that night while Boaz lay there, all of a sudden he, he, he felt somebody at his feet. And the Bible says he rose and he was terrified. Who are you? And she says, I'm, I, I'm Ruth. The Bible says, Ruth? You're after me? I'm an older man. You're not running after the young men in the field. You're after me. He says, well, Ruth, let me tell you something. I'm your redeemer. And I'm going to do everything in my power to redeem you. Uh, the, the Bible says that, that Boaz, well, there's actually one closer than I who can redeem you. Watch this. Somebody say, hello, the law. These are all symbols of what was happening, right? He's somebody closer to you right now than I, but, but I'm going to go talk to him at the city gate. And I'm going to ask him, do, do you want to redeem Naomi and her family? If not, I'm going to redeem them. See, because I love Ruth. I've fallen in love with her. And the Bible says that he gathered 10 men in the city, and, and he asked the man. He said, listen, are you going to redeem? He said, yes, I'm going to redeem them. He, he saw the parcel of land. He saw everything that belonged to Elimelech. He said, sure, I'm going to redeem it. I'm going to buy it. It's going to be mine. And then he said, oh, but be careful. You see, when Naomi came back, she came back with Ruth. The Moabite. And if you take Naomi, you got to take Ruth. And guess what? You've got to give Ruth babies. And when she has babies, the boys are going to own the land, not you. You know what he said? I guess I'll step back because if she's a Moabite, I don't want to ruin my reputation. Boaz said, you've heard it. The man took off his shoe as a sign that the, the deal was done, and he handed it to Boaz. And Boaz went and redeemed. Check this out. He redeemed Naomi and all her possession. The Bible said, listen. And he went in to sleep with Ruth. The Bible says, and Boaz went into Ruth, and she conceived, and she bore a son. And they called his name. Watch this. Listen. Obed. I ring a bell with anybody? I mean, I'm pretty fluid in the genealogies. That, 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 that it was Obed. Obed is the father of Jesse. Well, Jesse sounds familiar, doesn't he? And Jesse is the father of a young shepherd by the name of David. Who later became the king of Israel. Who is now in the line of the genealogies of Jesus Christ. Do you see that God... Redeemed the Moabite woman to produce in her that which belonged to her, to give all that Israel possessed, all that God possessed. He was given it to the Gentile too. Listen, you've been redeemed. 
you've been bought back. So that the promise that was sure to Abraham is now sure to you. What was Abraham's seed is now sure to you because you've been redeemed by God. You've been redeemed. You've been redeemed. You have your Bibles. Go back. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Ooh, the time is slipping away. Oh, God. Uh, first, first Corinthians chapter 6, I, I, I want to say something to you because the act of redemption applies both to your spirit and to your body. Oh, th- th- this is so marvelous. This is so marvelous. This is so marvelous. Let me say it again. The act of redemption applies to your spirit and to your body. Let me say it one more time. The act of redemption applies both to the spirit and to the body because both of them now belong to God, have always belonged to God. Do you, do, do you know that Solomon in all his wisdom in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 said, the body returns to the earth which it was made, but the spirit returns to him who gave it. Do, do you know that Apostle Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with God? Can I contend with you that when you die? You won't even know you died because your spirit is ushered into glory. Let me say that one more time. When you die, you won't even know that you died because your spirit will be ushered into glory. You'll be with God there. You have a loved one who's passed away there with God in spirit. They're not there in body. Let me say that one more time. They're there in spirit. They're not there in body. Let me say it one more time. They're there in spirit. They're just not there in body. You you see, when Jesus rose from the dead, you rose too. Uh, When Jesus rose out of the grave, you rose with him. Why? Because you were redeemed. And the same body that Jesus had when he came up out of the grave, the same body that went through the door but you still ate honeycomb and fish, is the same body you're going to receive when God glorifies you in heaven. Listen, brothers and sisters, you've been redeemed. You've been redeemed. God owns your spirit, and he owns your body. Are you there in 1 Corinthians 6? I could quote some of these verses, but I think it may just be best to read them with you. I, I, I want you to understand that, that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul is going through a list of people who will not inherit the kingdom of God. These are people who don't understand that their body is not their own. Their body is God's. Look at your neighbor and say, your body belongs to God, not you. He bought it. It was very expensive. Cost God his very blood. You belong to him, he belongs to you. You're his. He's yours. But he's very particular about what you do with your body. He's redeemed it. Watch. Some of you, if you know, uh, verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 6, he says, And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified. 
but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Watch Paul. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful unto me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. In other words, God is saying, I'm going to give you the power now to master your body. Come on, you've been redeemed. You have the power to master your body. You have an, an addiction. You've been redeemed. You have the power to master. You have something in your life that, that affects you bodily. You have the power now. Because you've been redeemed. Your body has been paid for. Ah, oh, and God paid it. Come on, somebody. You got something going on with you? Something that you keep saying that you can't get a hold of? You've been redeemed. You've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. God's going to ensure that you'll never be mastered again. How many know the devil used to master you? Anybody ever was mastered by the devil when you were out in the world and the way you lived and the things you thought and the things that were in your heart and the things that crossed your mind? Do you remember the day when you used to think the way you used to think and talk the way you used to talk and the things you used to do and the things you used to meditate on? And God gave you a brand new heart and a brand new mind and a brand new spirit so that you could walk for him. God is interested in fidelity. Somebody, somebody say, God wants me to be faithful. I've been redeemed. He says, meats for the belly and belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now watch this. Now, the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. Will you say this? The Lord is for my body. For all of you that are sick, and you wonder if God wants to heal you, he's for your body. Let me say that to somebody one more time because I'm just trying to grow your faith. The Redeemer purchased your body. Your body belongs to God. And because it belongs to God, he's going to ensure that the promises are true to you. And even when you're faith, faithless, he's going to be faithful, what, to your body. For God hath both raised up the Lord... And also raise us up by his own power. You know, you know why you're going to live? Because you've been redeemed. Listen, brothers and sisters, do you know that, 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 that this body, me, 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 that it's going to rise up again. If the Lord tarry and you see me die, don't weep. Just know I'm getting back up and I'm going to look like me when I get back up. Can, 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 can I share a verse with you? Uh, I know these verses because I've been doing funerals for a long time. Check this out. Paul says, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. but We shall all be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the trump shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall all be changed. And he says this. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality. And when this mortal, he said, when this, when this corruption has put on in, incorruption and this mortal have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass a saying that is written. Watch. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? But thanks be to God who hath given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What? We're going to rise again with him. I've been redeemed. God owns this. So tap yourself and say, God owns this. He owns this. I'm going to get up again. I'm going to get up again. 
That's why Paul says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, be unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I'm getting up. You know why I'm getting up? I've been redeemed. Y'all want to go a little deeper? I'm closing. What know ye not? That he which is joined to a hearted is one. For two saith he shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. You see, I'm one with God now. So how do you know you're one? I've been redeemed. I've been bought. I belong to God. He belongs to me. I am an heir of God. Check this out. And a joint heir with Christ. Whatever Jesus got, I got too. Whatever he accomplished, I accomplished too. His righteousness is now my righteousness. His victory is now my victory. Are y'all hearing this? Man, listen, brothers and sisters, you've been redeemed. You've been bought by a loving God who says, now you belong to me and I belong to you. Paul says, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Now hear this. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? The Holy Spirit lives in you because God redeemed you. He bought your body to be a mobile tabernacle of God. Check this out. So that wherever you are, God is. You wouldn't have to search for God. You wouldn't have to look for God. You have a lot of people today looking for God. Do you know that every religion outside of Christianity is men trying to find God? They're looking for him everywhere. They're looking for him out in the ocean and up in the mountains and up in the clouds and out in the atmosphere. And they're looking all around to find God. God, where are you? Because I want to pay homage to you. I want to talk to you. I want to know you. But he doesn't answer. He doesn't speak. They can't find their God. And yet the believer understands that they are now the walking, living tabernacle of God. That wherever they are, God is. You don't have to search for God. You don't have to look around to see where God is. Because guess what? God is in you, living in you, dwelling in you walking with you, talking with you, moving in you, strengthening you, helping you. He lives on the inside of us because we've been redeemed by the precious blood of an almighty lamb. Somebody say glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. Somebody say hallelujah. I've been redeemed. I belong to God. Stand to your feet here real quick. Stand to your feet real quick. I got to stop. I've got like 30 more minutes, but I got to stop. <laughs> I won't even get to my notes. <laughs> Listen, will you lift your hands and affirm to God right now? Say, Father, I belong to you. Watch this. Now watch this. Catch it. And you belong to me. Listen, I know, I know when we talk about redemption in the house, we say, well, I've been redeemed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that God owns me. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you own him too. You are an heir of God. God says, you are mine. 
and I am yours. We are married. We are one with God. I've been redeemed by the Redeemer, the, the kinsman, right? Jesus was your closest relative. Could I suggest that, that, that Elimelech's family, the brother of Elimelech, was the nearest kinsman? Could I suggest to you, you have a big brother in, in the spiritual realm. His name is Jesus. He, he, had, he had the closest right. Do you know that, 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 that in between that, that, that one closer is the sign of the law. Now catch this. How many know that the law before Jesus was your kinsman redeemer? But the problem was the law could not redeem because the law cannot save. If you don't think so, read Romans chapter 8 and Hebrews 10. The law cannot save you. It cannot redeem you. It's only there to show you just how dirty you are. Jesus said I'm going to come and redeem you and I'm going to pay the price as your kinsman when Jesus came he became your next closest kid he became your brother a, a brethren so close so close that he says I don't I don't call you slaves Call your friends. I don't, I don't call you a servant, for the servant knoweth not what his master doeth, but I call you friend. You've been redeemed. God says, You belong to me, I belong to you. Now I want you to hear just with your hands, with your hands lifted to heaven. And I want you to hear this. Let, this. let this apply down deep into your heart. Our Redeemer lives. Just as Job declared it from the beginning of the books of the Bible. For I know my Redeemer lives. He says, you are bought with the price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Will you glorify the Lord just for a moment? Will you tell him, thank you for finding me, picking me? Tell him right now, say, thank you for redeeming me. Thank you for rescuing me. Thank you. Thank you. 